with insights and analysis of today's rapidly shifting world. Welcome to the Cindy Gross Show, talk radio's premier Jewish woman activist, Cindy Gross, featuring exclusive interviews with today's top newsmakers and trendsetters. And now, Cindy Gross. Gross. I am Talk Radio's premier Jewish activist. I am uh, heard on multiple radio stations across the United States. And I want to thank you for joining us as we discuss the headlines and trends that you are talking about. So thank you for joining us. We have a huge show tonight. So welcome into my corner. In my opening pearls of wisdom, I want to talk about something that you don't have to be Jewish to uh, understand and to question and to get involved in. Many of you around the nation and around the world are going to be hearing about Holocaust memorials. And I can tell you, as the daughter-in-law of a living Holocaust survivor who survived the Holocaust just by chance that a train going to Auschwitz was bombed and people were able to escape by hiding through the forest and running and risking their lives every single day that my husband is here today and that I am here to tell their story. It is amazing because I often ask people who were active American Jews during the 1940s, Why didn't the American Jews do anything? And yet we see the headlines out of Ukraine, out of Russia. I mean, I've participated in Zoom meetings with Chabad's, which are religious Jewish institutions out of Ukraine. And it is amazing. I feel like we're not doing enough. How much longer are we going to have to put on the news every day and watch children and women and men being brutally murdered because they just live in the wrong country. It's not any different than the Holocaust. And you don't have to be Jewish to understand that. So as we talk a lot about Holocaust Memorial, as we talk a lot about the righteous among the nations, the non-Jews who helped the Jews by hiding them, by helping them get secret transports, by uh, some countries, one in particular, Denmark, that actually risk their lives every single day by using their churches and schools of hiding places for Jews. Let's think about, are we reliving the Holocaust? I can tell you where I lived. It wasn't really publicized, but during the Passover Easter holiday season, there were nine major anti-Semitic acts. And how do I know that? Because one of my friends who works in law enforcement happened to have a discussion with me. It's amazing. Hate is all around, whether or not you're Jewish or you're Asian, whether you're a conservative, whether you believe in family values, Judeo-Christian values, whether or not it's a war of worlds, or a war, a battle with ammunition. We are living in an angry society no different than the days of the Holocaust. Tell me what you think. 
Share your thoughts with me through my social media and through my website. We have three guests tonight who are going to bring very interesting perspectives on topics that are ongoing now. So stay tuned. Hi, it's Cindy Gross here, Talk Radio's premier Jewish women activist who likes to share with you products that you don't have to be Jewish to enjoy. Are you like me and looking forward to this Mother's Day? Many of you know it's my first Mother's Day as a grandma. And I was also bat mitzvahed on a Sunday Mother's Day. So this day always holds special memories in my heart. At Kosher CBD, they have created gift cards for you to show your moms, your grandmas, anybody you want to give a gift to, just how much she means to you. You can choose a few products for her or try some new ones and show your mother just how much you love her by letting her choose her way to relax on her own. And if that's not good enough, you can also use the code CINDY35 for 35% off your order, whether it's for one product or many products. And these products are kosher and answer to a higher authority. So enjoy your Mother's Day with Cindy Gross and Kosher CBD. Prairie Street Prime is revolutionizing the luxury kosher experience by delivering Star Case certified, USDA Prime, high choice, and dry aged kosher beef, veal, and lamb right to your door. With culinary excellence, education, and community at the heart of our mission, we're demystifying kosher cuisine and empowering our community with innovative recipes and chef led tutorials that build confidence and foster fun in the kitchen. Our latest offering, dry aged beef, takes luxury kosher cuisine to a whole new level. You can currently get all of our rib-based beef and briskets dry-aged with additional products coming just in time for Passover. Each step in our process is thoughtfully curated and Star K approved to ensure your meat strictly adheres to kosher protocols. Order now at prairiestreetprime.com for delivery anywhere in the U.S. Find us on Instagram and enter our dry age sweepstakes before Monday, April 4th, 2022 for a chance to win our four bone USDA prime 28 day dry age prime rib or our USDA prime 28 day dry age tomahawk. Prairie Street Prime is your luxury kosher experience. You're listening to America's premier Jewish woman activist, Cindy Gross. Welcome back and get ready for more of Cindy's exclusive insights and analysis right here on the Cindy Gross Show. Joining us now is a woman who is going to discuss with us not one, but two of the most important topics for the 2022 elections. Both of them are issues that are nonpartisan, that need bipartisan support. And we are so happy to have Kimberly Lau with us. She's a partner in the law firm of Warshaw and Bernstein, and she also is the founder and partner of Title X. She also just won one of the biggest uh, uh, lawsuits for a student, and she's going to discuss that with us. So thank you so much for joining the Cindy Gross Show. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you for having me. 
Um, so I recently um, was able to succeed on my client's defamation and civil conspiracy claims. This arose out of a Title IX matter at Clemson University. So this took place actually in South Carolina, even though I'm a New York attorney. Um, and um, the reason why I was handling it is because um, I do specialize in education law matters, as you had mentioned. And um, it did involve this young man's education that had been derailed by the accusing party, as well as her boyfriend and her father. So that's how it all began. But um, you tell me, Cindy, how would you like me to start as far as the details uh, of the case? Well, first of all, I want to talk about the fact that you talk about uh, conspiracies. My listeners know that I am in the one, one of the longest running lawsuits in New York City against the Department of Education, where people as high as Randy Weingarten are supposed to be uh, involved in depositions. And they actually have multiple conspiracy theories against me, and they refuse to give me discovery. So I can, I can relate so well to what you are discussing so much, and so can so many of my listeners who are involved in public school, even private school situations involve the kind of discrimination and conspiracy theories you talk about. Tell us a little bit in detail about how this case went about, how long it took, and how the verdict came to be. Absolutely. So this case involved a consensual sexual encounter between my client, the plaintiff, Mr. Pampu, and his um, and someone he knew, um, Miss Wingo, Erin Wingo, who was one of the three defendants I mentioned. Um, they were freshman students in Clemson, and it was one of those nights they had met up at a fraternity party, um, and she knew him from prior, um, you know, meetups. She also had a boyfriend at the time. Um, it was kind of a on again, off again, open relationship type of situation. Uh, it's complicated situation. And um, he rebuffed her that night. He was also a fraternity member at the same party. He didn't want to hang out with her. He said, go find somebody else. So she went and found, sought out my client um, and wanted to give him a birthday kiss. And the rest kind of flew, uh, you know, kind of went naturally from there. Um, so she had, was fine um, walking, talking normally, um, according to witnesses. And then after they were done, on the way back, she starts crying for her boyfriend and says, you know, why doesn't he love me? I, you know, I think he's going to be mad at me. And this is also witnessed by other uh, students at the party. She goes home the next morning. She text messages my client. Please do not tell CJ what happened. CJ was her boyfriend. And <clears throat> he says he won't say anything. And then she tells a couple of her friends, you know, I had sex with Andrew Pampu. And then later that afternoon, the very thing she wanted to avoid happened. Her boyfriend found out. Found out that they had actually involved in sexual intercourse earlier the, the night before. And he confronted her and she said, I don't remember. And he said, if you don't remember, it's rape. And that's when the train left the station on these rape allegations. And the school was notified um, through a resident advisor. 
And she continued to, to participate throughout the process um, together with CJ. They planned to get him kicked out of school. They gave false statements to the school. Um, he was kicked out. Um, and then he ended up having to live with those consequences, right? So what happens when you're kicked out for a Title IX matter? Well, it gets put on your discipline record. And so if you have to transfer anywhere, you have to disclose it. And especially if you're looking to get to higher education, postgraduate programs, medical school, law school, you have to self-report. So this young man's career path for being a dentist was ruined. I mean, he he was not able to get into any dental schools um, because he continued to have to self-report, even though he had wonderful scores on the DATs and great grades at his undergraduate program. He ended up transferring to another program. So that said, you know, what does he do? He sues the school for Title IX allegations, discrimination on the basis of his gender for basically, you know, believing the evidence, uh, believing the accuser without testing the evidence, the evidence that he tried to put forward. And then he sued the accuser, her boyfriend, and her father, father tried to get him kicked out of the fraternity and was successful. So we had how long, I'm sorry, how long did the process take from the initial uh, accusation until the verdict came? Wow. We're talking, this was 2015, Cindy. The, I could relate. My lawsuit, lawsuit started in 2011. I totally relate. Yeah. Yeah. So it took quite a long time for this young man to um, finally have his true day in court to actually have 12 jurors, eight of them, I'm sorry, seven of them women. And they all heard the evidence. They all heard the testimony and they determined a rape did not occur, that they had defamed my client and they had conspired to get him kicked out of the school. And as a result, 5.3 million was awarded. So let me ask you, first of all, how many witnesses did you have on your behalf defending your uh, client? Eight witnesses. And how many did the opposition have? Two. And what happened? Was there any because I know what happened in my case and a lot of cases that we discuss on the show, because I'm a big advocate of promoting people who are victims of obstruction of justice and the abuse of the uh, judicial system. Was there any obstruction of justice, tampering of evidence, intimidation to witnesses, uh, all kinds of shenanigans like uh, trying to hide um, Witnesses through depositions, et cetera. Did you go through that process? Well, let me see. There was one witness, uh, one of the two witnesses defendants put up in their case in chief um, at the trial who was clearly reading documents on the screen. She appeared virtually for the trial, not in person. And those documents were provided by the defendants, not me. And so I was... um, I had told her on the stand in front of the jury, please put that down, close that window. You are only to be looking at me and focusing on the exhibits I show you. Um, That did not look well or reflect well for the defense at all. 
Um, but I would say, you know, as far as obstruction of justice, Cindy, while it didn't necessarily um, happen in the trial, it happened at the school. And I'll tell you why, because CJ, a year after the decision came down from the school, kicking my client out, he text messaged my client. I'm sorry, you're innocent. I lied. I lied at that hearing. And so did Aaron. Wow, I could relate to that too. And this is very important. This doesn't just happen in an education system. This happens in a lot of workplaces. We're watching Hollywood now, just, you know, with the Me Too movements. You know, nobody since I'm using Chris North as an example, because he was really the latest big name victim of accusations and that and is basically losing his career. But he hasn't had anything that you discuss, such as witnesses testifying, documents submitted to court as evidence. Yet everybody already accused him. How do we know people weren't lying for their own benefit? And I'm not saying that women lie or men lie. I'm just saying there are situations that it's not as it seems it wouldn't be for your client. It wasn't for me. It's still not for me because my case is ongoing. How do you answer that as an attorney? You know, you really have to have a the good, like a good advocate on your side, someone who's going to be able to bring that truth out to test the evidence for you in front of someone who's willing to listen, right? So in in court for our case, it was the jury of 12, right? And they saw right through the defendants and their statements. They saw right through it. They knew what was really going on. Um, But as far as, you know, a school like Clemson, you know, when there's a hearing like that, it's really hard because back then a lawyer wasn't able to do anything, for a young man like him. They were sitting there like a potted plant. They couldn't speak in these hearings. So it's tough. So you are a founder and a partner of an organization that helps victims. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, I can't take credit for founding, but I definitely am, um, you know, a partner at Worship Burstein. I um, have developed and created the practice of uh, our Title IX disciplinary um, pr- practice, which handles matters at K through 12, as well as college and beyond. And we handle really student faculty uh, discipline matters. So whether you're a complainant complaining of an issue with the school or a respondent who's defending. Um, but I, I do also separately um, handle, I'm, I'm a board of director for families advocating for campus equality. And so there we, you know, that's our, our mission is to really um, have a process that is not only transparent, but has due process. Where can our listeners find you and learn more about you? I know there are so many people, teachers who are whistleblowers, parents who are frustrated, complaining about why schools are failing. They call me routinely, weekly, daily, sometimes. Where can they find you? www.collegedisciplinelaw.com or they can email me klau at wbny.com. Kimberly Lau, thank you so much for the work you do. I certainly appreciate it personally. My listeners certainly do. And please keep up the great work because if it could happen to a dental student, it could happen to any one of us. 
Thank you so much for joining the Cindy Gross Show. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you. Hi, it's Cindy Gross here, Talk Radio's premier Jewish women activist who likes to share with you products that you don't have to be Jewish to enjoy. Are you like me and looking forward to this Mother's Day? Many of you know it's my first Mother's Day as a grandma. And I was also bat mitzvahed on a Sunday Mother's Day. So this day always holds special memories in my heart. At Kosher CBD, they have created gift cards for you to show your moms, your grandmas, anybody you want to give a gift to, just how much she means to you. You can choose a few products for her or try some new ones. And show your mother just how much you love her by letting her choose her way to relax on her own. And if that's not good enough, you can also use the code CINDY35 for 35% off your order, whether it's for one product or many products. And these products are kosher and answer to a higher authority. So enjoy your Mother's Day with Cindy Gross and Kosher CBD. Prairie Street Prime is revolutionizing the luxury kosher experience by delivering Star K certified, USDA Prime, high choice and dry aged kosher beef, veal and lamb right to your door. With culinary excellence, education and community at the heart of our mission, we're demystifying kosher cuisine and empowering our community with innovative recipes and chef led tutorials that build confidence and foster fun in the kitchen. Our latest offering, dry aged beef, takes luxury kosher cuisine to a whole new level. You can currently get all of our rib-based beef and briskets dry-aged with additional products coming just in time for Passover. Each step in our process is thoughtfully curated and Star K approved to ensure your meat strictly adheres to kosher protocols. Order now at prairiestreetprime.com for delivery anywhere in the U.S. Find us on Instagram and enter our dry age sweepstakes before Monday, April 4th, 2022 for a chance to win our four bone USDA prime 28 day dry age prime rib or our USDA prime 28 day dry age tomahawk. Prairie Street Prime is your luxury kosher experience. You're listening to America's premier Jewish woman activist, Cindy Gross. Welcome back, and get ready for more of Cindy's exclusive insights and analysis right here on The Cindy Gross Show. Joining us now is Robert Spencer, founder of Jihad Watch and author of a brand new book called The The Critical Quran, explained from key Islamic commentaries and contemporary historical research. I wanted to make sure I got the name right because it's a big name, but there is nobody better than Robert Spencer to talk about facts about the Quran and radical Islamic terrorism. And we are very honored to have you on the Cindy Gross Show. Good to talk to you, Cindy. Thank you. So tell us uh, about the book and this is uh, just the latest in a series of books of your research and the facts you share, why this book is so timely right now. Well, you know, a lot of people think the jihad 
is all over. 9-11 was over 20 years ago, and it doesn't look as if they're doing much now. But actually, the jihadis are emboldened. They're active. There are jihad plots in the United States all the time. Iran is working on the same principles, and the Biden administration is about to hand them billions of dollars. And the jihadis in Israel have been recently very active in uh, throwing rocks at Israelis and killing Israelis uh, in jihad plots all around the country. So this is still a big issue. And it's going to be a bigger issue. So I got this big book here, the Critical Quran, which is an honest translation of the Quran. You know something, all these years I've been quoting the Quran from translations that are designed to cover up what it really says. So this edition of the Quran tells you what it really says, tells you how Muslims understand it in the commentary that's underneath on each page, underneath the Quranic text. And it gives you all kinds of information that will clarify why is there so much Islamic terrorism? Why are the Islamic countries human rights basket cases and much more? It's all there. So when we talk about uh, timely topics, uh, I've been hearing recently that because the border in the South is so open and everybody just thinks it's Hispanics coming in, but because nobody is checking anybody out, there are actually people coming from the Islamic states in the Middle East, and there are radical Islamic terrorists coming in knowing that they are not being looked at and that they are not being checked. What do you know about that? Yeah, it was just announced quite recently that 23 people on the terrorist screening database had been caught at the border. And then a later report said, no, no, it was 43. And so who knows where the number is going to end up once they're finished revising this. But that's just the ones that were caught. We don't right. know how many got through and nobody noticed. But it's very clear. The whole world knows that the southern border of the United States right now is essentially fictional. It doesn't exist. And so the terrorists can see that as well as anybody else. They're coming in. And they're coming in based on the beliefs and principles that are all in the Quran that all set out that you have to wage war against unbelievers. So when they get here, it's not like they're going to get jobs and settle into the community. They're going to commit acts of violence. And how is this going to have an impact on the 2022 elections? It could have a very large impact. If I hope there's no attack before the elections. I hope there's no attack after the elections. But if there is then people are going to wonder why it is that we left the door open for these guys to come in so that they could kill large numbers of Americans and they'll vote accordingly. Uh, because certainly the Biden administration now for well over a year has been completely asleep about this issue and has let untold numbers of criminals and terrorists into the country. Ordinary Americans are going to be paying the price for that. And of course, we can't talk about your book without talking about the squad with the uh, changes in curriculum in public schools and uh, the acceptance now of so many uh, Islamic and Muslim holidays that are being accepted. And how is this going to have an impact? Well, all of this came about because after 9-11, it was very quickly shifted that the problem wasn't really jihad, the problem was Islamophobia. And we saw that with the 20th anniversary last September of the 9-11 attacks, the 
mainstream media outlets, one after the other, published stories all about how Muslims suffered after 9-11 from discrimination, from harassment, from rude people, from police overreach, and so on. And now some of that may even have been true, but it completely ignored the reality of jihad terrorism, which has continued after 9-11. There was the Fort Hood Jihad Massacre, Chattanooga, San Bernardino, St. Cloud, Minnesota. If you didn't know that there were jihad attacks in those places and in others in the United States since 9-11, you need to know, and that all the information is at my website, jihadwatch.org. The uh, jihad is still going on and it's being completely covered up. And so because of this anxiety about Islamophobia and so on, people like Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib were able to be elected to Congress. It wasn't even allowed to question them because to question them would have been Islamophobic. It wasn't allowed to criticize them. It would have been Islamophobic. And so they get a free pass. Meanwhile, they're pursuing a frankly anti-American agenda. Ilhan Omar has even equated America with the Taliban and nobody seems to mind. The Democrat Party has moved so far left that she's mainstream now. So I'm glad you went into that segue because I'm often asked about uh, radical Islamic terrorism and the Republican Party. And I always tell people it didn't grow overnight in the Democratic Party. And if we don't take our eyes off of it, it will infiltrate, infiltrate into the Republican Party because people often confuse uh, moderate Arabs and people that support Israel and want to work with the Jewish people with or using that as a cover for, you know, jihad and radical Islam. Absolutely, Cindy. The thing is, the Republicans are pretty much as clueless as the Democrats about this. Uh, remember that it was George W. Bush, a Republican president, who six days after 9-11 went into the mosque in Washington, D.C., in front of a the head of an unindicted co-conspirator in a Hamas terror funding case and a man who is now in prison for financing al-Qaeda. And he said, Islam is peace. And it became the Republican Party establishment's view that Islam has nothing whatsoever to do with terrorism, which is actually a quote from Hillary Clinton on the other side. So both the Democrats and the Republicans are unwilling to face the fact that Islamic jihadis are able to use the teachings of Islam to justify terrorism. Now, this matters because when you're bringing large numbers of Muslims into the country and when you have the mosques teaching the Quran, which does have violence against unbelievers in it, then you're going to get jihad activity, and we have. And the fact that nobody wants to face this problem, both Democrats and Republicans, only ensures that we're going to have more of it. So before we close, uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on with Jihad Watch and any thoughts that you want our listeners to follow up on and to be aware of. Jihad Watch is the only news site in the world that covers jihad activity in the United States and everywhere else. It's updated many times daily. It's at jihadwatch.org. And so you can see that also we've added a new feature there, the left column, which is on the left side of the page that uh, discusses how the left aids and abets jihad activity and also works in a way that is directly subversive to the interests of Americans. And where can our audience buy the book? The book, The Critical Quran will be out May 3rd, so that's just a few days away, and it will be available at any self-respecting bookstore. It's also available now for pre-order at Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, and anywhere books are sold. 
Robert Spencer, as always, it's great to uh, speak with you, learn from you. And we at the Cindy Gross Show certainly support the work you do. Of course, the work you do with Pamela Geller. And uh, anything you want to ever come back and share, please feel free to do so. Thanks, Cindy. It's always good to talk to you. Hi, it's Cindy Gross here. Talk Radio's premier Jewish women activist who likes to share with you products that you don't have to be Jewish to enjoy. Are you like me and looking forward to this Mother's Day? Many of you know it's my first Mother's Day as a grandma. And I was also bat mitzvahed on a Sunday Mother's Day. So this day always holds special memories in my heart. At Kosher CBD, they have created gift cards for you to show your moms, your grandmas, anybody you want to give a gift to, just how much she means to you. You can choose a few products for her or try some new ones. And show your mother just how much you love her by letting her choose her way to relax on her own. And if that's not good enough, you can also use the code CINDY35 for 35% off your order, whether it's for one product or many products. And these products are kosher and answer to a higher authority. So enjoy your Mother's Day with Cindy Gross and Kosher CBD. Prairie Street Prime is revolutionizing the luxury kosher experience by delivering Star Case certified, USDA Prime, high choice, and dry aged kosher beef, veal, and lamb right to your door. With culinary excellence, education, and community at the heart of our mission, we're demystifying kosher cuisine and empowering our community with innovative recipes and chef led tutorials that build confidence and foster fun in the kitchen. Our latest offering, dry aged beef, takes luxury kosher cuisine to a whole new level. You can currently get all of our rib-based beef and briskets dry-aged with additional products coming just in time for Passover. Each step in our process is thoughtfully curated and Star K approved to ensure your meat strictly adheres to kosher protocols. Order now at prairiestreetprime.com for delivery anywhere in the U.S. Find us on Instagram and enter our dry age sweepstakes before Monday, April 4th, 2022 for a chance to win our four bone USDA prime 28 day dry age prime rib or our USDA prime 28 day dry age tomahawk. Prairie Street Prime is your luxury kosher experience. You're listening to America's premier Jewish woman activist, Cindy Gross. Welcome back and get ready for more of Cindy's exclusive insights and analysis right here on the Cindy Gross Show. Joining us now is our Hispanic consultant, my brother from another mother. You've uh, listened to him before. You know, we've worked together since probably 2015 when we both worked on the Ted Cruz campaign together. And he is going to be our uh, consultant through the 2022 elections for the Hispanic vote and important elections to watch 
Julio Rivera will be coming on to discuss the latest of the Hispanic vote in primaries across the country and important elections. But before I bring him on, I want to share with you something that I follow actually from a conservative Hispanic Democrat, former New York City Councilman Reverend Ruben Diaz from the Bronx, writes a column regularly about his concerns. And even though he is a Democrat, a lot of his issues actually overlap with many of our Republican ones because he is somebody who is a conservative. He actually supported Ted Cruz in 2015, and Julio and I were both at his event. So he wrote an article recently called The Good, Bad, and the Ugly of the Open Border Situation for the Hispanic Vote. And he talks about how, based on open borders, the most... uh And the largest group that will be voting, if not in 2022, but definitely by the end of the decade, will be Hispanics. Is that good? Is that bad? It's for you to decide. Remember, when you have open borders with Hispanics coming in, the opportunities for employment increase for the Hispanics, but it also decreases for Hispanics that are here. And so to talk about that further and all the other issues is our good friend, the conservarican himself. Julio Rivera. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. As always, Cindy, it's always a pleasure to speak to you. So address uh, some of the issues I brought up in the opening, because it is something that you talk about, you know about, and you work on through all of your work through Reactionary Times and Newsmax and all the outlets you're featured on. Yeah, it's going to mess up uh, kind of the demographics for the GOP if we continue with this kind of open border uh, stance that is happening under Biden, I mean, you know, the, the floodgates have opened and they fl- they opened basically in the aftermath of the election because you had Joe Biden putting out messaging saying that he had the intention of uh, legalizing as many as 11 million illegal residents. We all know that the number is much larger than 11 million, but what that did was cause a surge to the border that we still have not, uh, that still has not dissipated. You know, that in concert with his um, first day in office executive orders to halt the border wall construction, all these things are playing against Hispanics that are here legally and against Hispanics, uh, uh, not only Hispanics, but conservatives in general. And not only that, minorities, you're talking about black Democrats, Hispanic Democrats that, let's say, fall into, um, let's say, the, the lower uh, portion of, let's say, the workforce, you know, the, the low skilled workers. You know, those jobs are being eaten up by illegal residents here in the United States of America. That's causing a big problem across the board for, for you know, lower income Democrats. Um, but, you know, what we're going to see what, how this, um, you know, what the backlash is. It's already kind of surfaced and it did surface actually under Trump, because I'm going to read here from a great article that I found on the Hill. It said between 2016 and 2020, support for Trump among Latino voters, and let's not forget that Trump may, may very well be our nominee in 2024, increased by 10 points. Uh, Pew Research Center's validated voter survey shows Trump won 38% of the Latino vote in 2020, which is a great number, it was the highest percentage since uh, George Bush won 44 in 2004. And Biden's 21 point margin of victory among Latinos marked the decline from Hillary Clinton's 38 point advantage. This is big. 
This is bigger than people think because this was before Joe Biden had the horrific 16-month performance that he's had so far. You know, whether you're white, whether you're black, whether you're Hispanic, you can't ignore the fact that Joe Biden is doing a terrible job, that inflation is out of control. There are uh, international foreign policy is a mess with what you see going on right now in the Ukraine and what we saw with the Afghanistan pullout. You know, there's a lot of minorities in the military that are going to remember that Joe Biden left Americans behind. Absolutely. And when you talk about the Hispanic vote, we also talk about the idea of the Hispanic family values. A lot of people think that they're automatically going Republican. And I am going to say that I disagree because with all the benefits that uh, the socialists and progressives of looking to give illegals, I don't think it's a guarantee that the future Hispanics coming in through this uh, influx at the southern border are all going to be Republican. What are your thoughts? Well, absolutely not. You're, you're right spot on, Cindy. And the fact of the matter is these people are being bought by the Democratic Party, much the way that Blacks were bought in the 1960s with the expansion of the entitlement state. You know, you talk about the Great Society and the horrific effect that that had on the black nuclear family in America. You know, you had, uh, you know, the, back then, you know, families stayed together. Most of the children that were being born that were black in America were born to intact families. Now, it's that's the minority. That's the exception and not the rule anymore. So I think that's what the Democrats are banking on. That's what they always do. They pander to minority groups and they're pandering in a way that's going to affect the, the legal Hispanics that are here, the taxpayers. It's only going to galvanize legal Hispanic support for the Republican Party, you know, the question we have to ask ourselves is, where's the limit? Are these people, if they are legalized, are they going to be able to vote immediately? Or is there going to be a 10-year period before they can vote? Is legalization mean citizenship? What exactly are the parameters if it actually gets to that point, if Joe Biden hangs on long enough to actually put this into place? So I have a question in regard to candidates in 2022. We see a record number of black Republicans. We also see a record number of Hispanic Republicans. And uh, like I'm following Cassie Garcia in Texas, who was endorsed by Ted Cruz because she used to work for him. Uh, there are several Republicans that are running across the country, particularly in red states. Who are you liking? Um, right now, anybody wearing an R is better than anyone wearing a D. I think we're right now what we have to do is pinpoint Republican seats where you have Republicans that, to me, are voting like Democrats. It's not very difficult to check the Heritage Action website and check the scorecard scores for incumbents. And you could do the same with Conservative Review. They publish a scorecard for everybody that's in Congress right now, and it'll tell you whether they're voting his, uh, conservative or whether they're voting liberal. And we have a lot of Republicans right now, and we have a, a unique opportunity because it, ve it very much well should be a big, strong, powerful, beautiful red wave this November. We might as well get in people who are going to be better. If the Republicans are going to win anyway, we might as well put rep uh, conservative Republicans in those seats. So I'd like to see the primary process, you know, where we start identifying people who would make better candidates for incumbent Republican seats, not only winning the seats from Democrats, but actually probably putting in better Republicans into seats that are already uh, locked. We don't talk about that enough, but I'm involved in several campaigns that I know that the grassroots group are working very strong in primaries. 
throughout the country because the people that are currently in them are rhinos, Republicans in name only. And they are very well aware of it. They are not supporting them. They don't care whether or not the state and county leaderships are doing it. They are going with people that are going to rebuild the Republican Party. I also tell people, look at Texas and look at Florida. It has now become very apparent that especially in areas that are Hispanic, like by the Southern Florida area, where there is currently uh, Democratic uh, control, that there is a shift and that we are seeing qualified Republicans getting the support of the local Hispanic vote. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's a beautiful thing. I think that, you know, you take a state like Florida where there's so many Cubans, people that really their family lineage, you know, suffered through the horrors of communism under Castro. You know, these people come to America and they get it. They are firmly conservative, constitutional conservative type uh, Republicans. And, and I think that we need to see more of them. They need to have more influence in the state of Florida and in the pockets in which they, they, you know, they actually populate throughout the United States of America. I worry about, you know, I remember Florida to me was something that worried me in 2020 because there were so many Puerto Ricans that were displaced as a result of the hurricane season in 2017. And a couple hundred thousand of them wound up actually in Florida. And I was afraid that that would probably tilt the election, you know, the wrong way because, you know, that's a lot, that's significant, you know, when you're talking about a tight state that's always a battleground like Florida, that can have some influence, but either those people figured it out and voted Republican or they stayed home. <laughs> so tell us uh, in our closing minutes, first of all, what's going on in your life? You are always doing something along the lines of uh, quality journalism. So share with us where we could see you, where we could hear you, where you're writing lately. Yeah, I mean, I've been writing for Newsmax, The Hill, um, PJ Media, uh, Human Events, and, and uh, The Washington Times and many other places. I've been really following the ongoing global cyber war. I mean, I think this is something that never gets as much attention as it should. And that's something that's really being highlighted right now with the whole Russia-Ukraine crisis. Russia has been hitting Ukraine very hard with cyber attacks waves of cyber attacks, you know, attacking basically every section, every sector of the Ukrainian economy, much in the way that they attacked the global economy with the solar winds attack. You know, we all know that Russia was behind solar winds because they used the same MO that the Petya, not Petya attacks of 2014 and 15 used when the Russians were attacking Ukraine in the in the aftermath of, you know, retaking Crimea. So, you know, I think the cyber warfare aspect of this uh, and and the way that it plays in geopolitics, because, you know, right now we're frenemies with Russia, we're frenemies with China, but those are the two worst offenders, not to mention North Korea, who's an ally of China, and Iran, who's an ally of Russia. Before we close, I do have to ask you a question. All of a sudden, people are asking me, is Ted Cruz going to run in 2024? Mm -hmm. wow. What would be your feeling if Mr. Cruz or Senator Cruz decided to run? And I call him the best Jew on the Hill because nobody <laughs> stands for Israel, including the Jews like Ted Cruz does. So tell us what your thoughts are about him running in 2024. Well, Cruz for Jews um, is definitely something pretty catchy, but I'll tell you this much. I always loved Ted Cruz. Um, right now, if he was to declare that he would run for president, he would probably most likely get my support. Although President Trump, if President Trump runs again, I think that he's got the biggest audience. I think he's the strongest candidate going into it. And another person to me that I, I will throw my support 
behind um, is uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis based on he's doing it. He's doing it on a daily basis. And he's not just a legislator on the Hill. They can talk on both sides of his mouth. He's actually an executive running a state and he's running it the right way. No state in the union right now exemplifies the values of America quite like Florida. And that's something I'd like to see extrapolated onto the national level. Even more than Texas. It's amazing what has gone on in Florida. And, you know, it's very funny. Uh, The housewives now, Miami, and you see all the wealthy Hispanic money flowing there. And we don't even talk about them enough. And maybe the next time you come on, we will. All the Mm. wealth that uh, America has from Hispanic investments and real estate Mm. and businesses and a whole new group. Everybody associates Hispanics with the border or new immigration. There are many Hispanic millionaires loving the American dream. Exactly. Very, very, very entrepreneurial people. We're all not, you know, uh, welfare Puerto Ricans from New York City. So, <laughs> Well, you definitely aren't. You are definitely a go-getter, an entrepreneur. I'm very lucky to call you, my friend. We will have you back soon. Again, Julio Rivera, the conservarican, the founder of Reactionary Times, where you can find my columns regularly. And also a contributor regularly through, like he said, The Hill and Newsmax and Washington Times. Always a pleasure to have you on The Cindy Gross Show. God bless, Cindy. Thank you so much for having me. Before we close, I want to share some words of wisdom. And you don't have to be Jewish with Cindy to appreciate it. I am so glad we had on tonight our guest, Julio Rivera, a good friend of mine. Even though he's Puerto Rican, he celebrates Hispanic pride. And even though I am not Hispanic, I want to celebrate with everybody a fun celebration, Cinco de Mayo. I want you to think about teaching your children facts about Cinco de Mayo and enjoy the culture of the Hispanic communities. Ask your friends who are Mexican what Cinco de Mayo means. And it's a great way to try some amazing food, learn about a culture, its music, its heritage, and share a piece of Hispanic history in America and around the world. Thank you so much for joining this week's show. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks for joining today's Cindy Gross Show. America's premier Jewish woman activist. Be sure to download Cindy's next show as well as previous ones available internationally on iHeartRadio, Spotify, and in Israel on Jewish podcasts. See you next time on The Cindy Gross Show.